0: Good evening, good to see you tonight, we do have some things we need to pray about tonight so we're going to go ahead as we sometimes do and begin with prayer tonight, a lot of people are sick aren't they, Uh, Miranda Waddell texts me today and she says please pray for the Waddell's four of five in the house have the flu, so that's bad, Uh, so let's remember them. It um, seems like I had somebody else text, too, about being sick. Um, th- some of you will know this name, Gladys Childers. Uh, she is a um, has been a, many years a minister in our church, and she passed away today. Oh, here it is. This is one I was trying to remember. Um, Tim and Christy Carter are not here tonight, are not feeling well. So let's pray for them. Um, Many of you have heard by now that uh, Nelda's mother, my mom's sister, Clarine, passed away today, and um, the funeral will be here 11 o'clock on Saturday uh, at the church with the burial following and then visitation after that here back at the church. There's several things going on at the funeral home. It's kind of awkward, I know, to do it that way, but... There was uh, other funerals going on and, and they had to transition things to make it work and stay away from Sunday, which is uh, weather-wise may not be good and other factors as well. So if you would, please remember the Hodge family, which is Clarine Hodge his mother, uh, that family, and um, also the Childress family. Uh, Joy was telling me just... Um, the pastor lost his key to the truck and where it is I don't know. But I had to call my wife to come get me for church tonight. And she was telling me as she picked me up that one of the young girls who works here, uh she can't be over eighteen, I don't think. Uh her daddy is deceased and she said today her mother called her and her mother was crying, wanted to talk to her, so Joy took her the phone in there, her phone into the young lady. And her mother told her that um, her grandfather had just died, and this young girl was just terribly distraught. She was George just had to keep her here for a while until she settled down, after where she could could drive. So, seems like a lot of folks are needing prayer, doesn't it? Comfort from the Lord. So, uh, you have any needs you want to share before we pray? Here, I know we need to pray for Tony, that he's he'll make some progress with his back. And Ashley. Let's remember Bill Flanagan. Yes, Kenny. Uh, myself, my cell my kidneys uh, failing, um,
1: and you can see I'm I'm bloated up because I can't keep keep through it off.
0: Okay, let's remember Kenny. Been in the hospital again. All right. All right, we'll pray for that need, Kenny. Um, Roy is doing well. He's home now, uh, having had a um, kidney removed. And uh, we're thanking the Lord for that. I'm just more convinced than ever the Lord hears our prayer and answers. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Dennis? Uh, We're trying to get Aiden into a new
1: school. Um, He's really unhappy and... Uh, the current school situation isn't very good for him, uh, so he's in a lottery right now for the new Roosevelt Charter. Um, we we'll find out in two weeks from today, so he may not be here in a couple of weeks for that because they're having water drawn on the thirteenth.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, I just, I'd have to pray, to pray after, after we pray. After we pray. Well, it might give us more faith if you shared it before we pray. <laughs>
1: the other day I, I was out making errands in my off day and I was coming through Pierce's from Agri-Supply over there by Nackdale and I was looking for a gentleman I had uh worked with two years ago, two or three. And I'm um, just seeing how he's doing. And I knew he was talking about an old home place, so I knew it was somewhere right there around the crawl road but I wasn't that sure. But anyway I pulled I pull off the road because I see this house kinda off the roadways and um an elderly lady in the yard and I pull up and um, I got I got camo on and I got my, my pistol on the side and all this stuff and you know I get out and I talk to her and I, she said and we talk, and I asked her if she knows Mr. Russell Baker. She said, No, but I bet you my husband does, and he did. He knew everything around there. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking and then we got talking about, you know, church and being saved and all, and um, that woman looked at me. She said, I'm Colonel Coster, from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, from Genesis of Revelation. <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, ma'am, and there ain't no in between. I, I thought the lady was going to dance in the yard. She said, she said, God sent you my way. Woo. I didn't get out of the truck again
0: because okay to do. <laughs> but just, that just shows you know
1: place. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a neighbor. It doesn't have to be a friend. be yeah. just old stranger. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to open up and just, you know, he presents it and you just yeah. have to step in and be used. And yeah. You know, that day he used me to just touch that lady's heart. I don't know what she was going through or anything like that, but I just know when I left, she was a step up higher than she was when I came.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us. And we are so thankful. We just bless your name today. We give you glory for who you are. Our Heavenly Father, you love us more than we can even imagine. You care about every need that we have. And we're so thankful. So Lord, we just lift up to you these needs that have been shared here tonight. Oh Lord, some are sick. Some are grieving. Some are facing uh, crises in their own on bodies, sickness, and and other medical issues. But you're a God who understands it all and has the ability to bring healing and help and relief. So we ask, Lord, that you would minister to these needs tonight. We share them, Lord, not so that we can inform you because you already know a whole lot better than we do. But Lord, we share these so that we can know the needs and we can bear one another's burdens and we can cry out to you and ask for help. So we thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer tonight. Minister to these needs, we pray in Christ's name. Lord, open our eyes tonight as we look to your word. Speak to us something that would be encouraging and edifying to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, yes. Eric's having carpal tone surgery on Monday and Jessica's having back surgery on Tuesday. Wow. Let's remember that. Monday and Tuesday, Eric and Jessica.
1: Right. know
0: all good, but Right. Okay, let's remember that, please. Okay. Thessalonians, the first epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Thessalonians. Does anybody know what city the Thessalonians lived in? That's right, Thessalonica, or as some people would say, Thessaloniki. I'm not trying to be funny there. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that is a Greek, uh, Tony Karolambu, my parents know him, would say Thessaloniki. Um, He's probably more right than we are, (laughs) but coming from that part of the world, Thessaloniki. Does anybody know um, what that name, where the name came from? Probably not. I'd never heard it today, and I was doing some reading uh, this afternoon. As it turns out, the word Thessaloniki comes from um, the half-sister of Alexander the Great. was named after her. I thought that was interesting. So um, there's a lot of history. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at some history tonight in the Scripture. Does anybody remember... When we were back in the book of Acts, and we talked about how that the book of Acts covered a period of decades. It didn't just happen over a few months, it was years and years and years that everything that unfolds in the book of Acts took place 30 or 40 years. And we talked about how that all the other things you read in the rest of the New Testament can really be plugged in, most of it can, at certain places in the book of Acts. Well, we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see how in, uh, as Paul writes this first epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Thessalonians, we're going to see how that it fits into the larger picture of what happened in the book of Acts historically. Because it actually is important. He talks about it and gives us um, information there. It is thought that probably this epistle that we're reading tonight was the first epistle that, uh, epistle that Paul wrote of all, not just first Thessalonians, but first of all the others. This would have been his first, it is thought. So what I'd like to do is um, just work our way through reading certain portions, and some of these are going to kick us back to the book of Acts as we take a look at what he's referring to in certain places. Uh, Let's begin in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Down to verse 6 now. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy. Now, I want you to notice what was happening here When the Bible says, having received the word in much affliction, that lets you know that there's some trouble going on, right? The word affliction means trouble. Having received the word in much affliction, in much trouble. With joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia. And Achaia. Who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Now notice they have become followers of Paul. And followers of Christ. Followers of the Lord. And verse 7 says. So that you became examples. Verse 8. For from you. The word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols. Now, what do you see something... um, Interesting here about how Paul is approaching this group of people. First of all, as we're going to see, he went to uh, Thessaloniki and he preached to these people. And people came to Christ. But in those verses that we've just read, what does he say about them? He's, he's praising them, actually. He's bragging on them. And and if you will, go through and tell me the things he's saying to them where he's he's bragging on them. And these are also things, by the way that we could be um, diligent about doing in our own lives to emulate the Thessalonians. They set good examples. Set good examples. You read that where? Verse seven. Verse 7. So that you became examples to all. Okay. In what way do you think they probably became good examples? Idols? Absolutely. They turned away from idols. That's in the latter part of verse 9. And and in context with that, or, or kind of the same thing, but saying in a different way, verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord. So they became Christians. They They received the message that Paul preached. They followed the word of the Lord as it was given to them by Paul. They were good examples. What else do you see there? Okay. Right. Or even in the trouble that you've gone through, you've been faithful. He's acknowledging that it wasn't easy for them. He's acknowledging that through trouble and affliction, they came to Christ. We're going to read that in a minute as we go back in Scripture to where he's going to point us in just a moment. Well, there's another thing there that is very important that they're doing that sets a good example. There you go. That not only had they received the word and were they living the word, but they were very active evidently in telling other people about the Lord and pointing them away from idols, and that is to the Lord Jesus as well. He's telling them to serve, we're back down in verse 9 going into 10 now, to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. And I see two things in there that jump out at me that I want to uh to mention. First of all, he's talking about the coming of the Lord, isn't he? The coming of the Lord is very important in this particular book of the Bible. For instance, in chapter 2, verse uh, 19, you'll see, Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? So he's mentioning the coming of the Lord there. If you look in chapter 3, verse 13, the last few phrases in that, or the last phrase or two in that verse, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And then you turn over to chapter 4, verse 13. You've got this whole passage now that's going all the way through that in chapter 5 too that talk about the coming of the Lord. So this is a big thing in the book of Thessalonians, the coming of the Lord. How many believe the Lord is coming? He has come, right? We celebrate that at what? Christmas. At Christmas. We celebrate the first coming of the Lord at Christmas. He's coming again. We call that the second coming. You can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Just as sure as the first one did, there's going to be another one coming. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, on Sunday morning, the coming of the Lord. And so he, he tells us that we are to um, to be faithful. We are to wait For the coming of the Lord, Um, here's another thing, who delivers us from the wrath to come. As you read through the book of Revelations, you'll read through, there's a time of tribulation. What's the word tribulation mean? Trouble. That's it. Trouble or trial, hard times. There's a period of tribulation. Tribulation. Then there's a period we get to in the book of Revelation and it just, if you're reading and thinking, it'll jump off the page at you, at you, because now you're not talking about just trouble anymore or just tribulation anymore. All of a sudden this word wrath jumps out at you. The wrath of God begins to be poured out. There's trouble happening all the way through the book of Revelation, but at one point God begins to pour out his wrath. Now, God has not reserved his wrath for his children. God has reserved his wrath for his enemies. And so the Bible tells us here that Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. I am glad to know, according to the word of God, that I am never going to have to suffer the wrath of God. Now, I'm going to suffer some troubles. And they may be pretty big troubles according to the Bible. As a matter of fact, there is the term in the Bible, great tribulation, great trouble, great hardship. And I'm not going to suggest to you that we're all going to be spared from all the trouble. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But the Bible tells us that we are not going to have to endure God's wrath. His wrath is going to be poured out on us, on the world. Here on this earth after we, his children, have been called away. And I find great comfort in that. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel Of God and much conflict. So, based on that verse 1 and 2 that I've just read there, before Paul got to Thessaloniki and preached the gospel to them where they were having some trouble, he was somewhere else before that having trouble there. Where would that be? No, it's in it's in chapter 2, verse 2. Philippi. Paul was in Philippi and he had trouble. We're going to see that in just a minute. And he ran. He got away from there. He fled. And a little later he went to um, Thessaloniki. And when he gets there, he finds out that there's some trouble there as well. Let's go back to Philippi. So turn with me to Acts 16, if you would. I think I, the reason I'm going to share this with you is because it is what Paul is talking about. He's referring to something that that he lived through and uh, some trouble he had in his life. And I think it's helpful for us to be aware that, that he did go through things like that. Um. Let's begin reading in chapter 16, verse 16. The Bible says, now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us. Now here's Paul preaching the gospel. And you got this girl following him around. And everywhere he goes, she goes. And she's crying out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. In other words, she had a demon. And Paul said, I command you... In the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas. And dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So what has happened is this woman is possessed by demons. She's fortune telling and making a lot of money for her master. And when the spirit is cast out of her, she's no longer able to do that. She's lost that unspiritual gift, if you will, <laughs> and no longer can do that. And Paul cast the demon out of her, and so now she's not doing that anymore. And the master of this slave girl is not happy at all and begins to stir up a ruckus. Verse 20, they bought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews... Exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. Boy, there was a riot, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now we're talking about Paul and his his ministry companions there. What had Paul done wrong? Yeah, what had he done wrong? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. He hadn't done anything wrong, had he? You see, we sometimes think that That as long as we do everything righteously and according to what God would want us to do, we're never going to have any trouble. But that's not true. Paul was doing everything he was supposed to do. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was being faithful to the Lord. But then this, this season of trial and affliction came upon him. Now, we, we read that and we read that so casually. But I want you to notice, imagine the humiliation and the pain and the, the, the great emotions that would have been involved in this when, they, when the multitude comes up against you and they tear off your clothes and you're beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that's with whips, When they had laid many stripes on them. They threw them in prison. Commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Fasten their feet in stocks. And there they laid in prison. I'm going to ask you again. What? Had Paul done wrong? Not a thing. But he was experiencing affliction wasn't he? He was having trouble. Now. Don't look down. Look up. After this happened. What was Paul's reaction? I said, don't look down. Everybody went. Yeah. Paul and Silas, the Bible tells us as we continue reading. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, they weren't having a pity party. They were having a prayer meeting. And they were worshiping the Lord even in the time of their trouble. Were they not? Here's another thing. I don't know that i would ever noticed this until today when I was reading this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen to this phrase. And the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas are singing praises. And all the other prisoners are listening to what's going on. You think it might have had an impact on their life? I think probably it did because let me tell you what happened. Or let's let the Bible tell us what happened. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Not just Paul and Silas. Everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he bought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So here we're going to see the... The keeper of the prison, the the guard, he gets saved here. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Listen, something terrible happened to Paul. And he experienced affliction, right? But when he prayed and praised God, even through the trouble, something wonderful happened, didn't it? That he and his prayer partner, Silas, and the other prisoners, and the guard, and his family, just look what happened there. What a wonderful thing. Do you think it might be important, based on this passage of the Scripture, How we handle difficulty as Christians. Well I'll tell you what. I don't know that we ever as Christians shine any brighter than when we're under the gun and being persecuted. That is an opportunity to shine isn't it? That's an opportunity for people to see that you've really got the goods. That God is real in your life. Because you don't act like the world acts and you don't, you don't respond in kind to whatever's coming against you. And here's what Paul did. And, and with all that was going on in his life and this, this great trouble that he had. Now, you know what he does? He leaves from here and in chapter 17, the Bible says he's on his way to, to Thessalonica. Now, wait a minute. He has just been beaten stripes, thrown in prison, gone through all of this, and now he's going to make this journey to Thessalonica. So when he gets there, well, let's wait. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Let's go back to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. So when the Bible says, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, and he's talking about this thing that I just told you about from the book of Acts. They knew about that too. They had heard about that. He says, you were spitefully, we were spitefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel. Of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or for uncleanness. Nor was it in deceit. And so he preached faithfully the word of the Lord. Even after coming off this hard trial and difficult times. Where he was delivered. But the hurt of that. The pain of that. I guess the scars of that were still on his back. The scabs probably hadn't even healed yet. From where he took that beating and had those stripes. And was in prison. And here he is preaching to another group of people. In Acts chapter 2 verse 13. He says. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God. Which you heard from us. You welcomed it not as the word of men. But as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus And their own prophets. And have persecuted us. And they do not please God. And are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. That they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins. Wait a minute. Obviously they're having trouble there in Thessalonica too. And where is their. Where is their um, opposition coming from in Thessalonica? Who's it coming from? It's coming from the Jews. Very good. A plus. It's coming from the Jews. The Jews are fighting Paul tooth and nail. They don't want the gospel preached to the Gentiles as it says in verse 16. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So here he is again preaching the gospel. And this time it's Jews that are rising incidentally. He's the one who says, go back in your mind a few years. Who was it that put Jesus on the cross? Who was it that said, give us Barabbas, crucify him. And Paul reminds them of that. And it is still the Jews that are that are opposing him and his preaching of the gospel here in this particular verse. I know I've shared this with you before, but I, I want us to think about this again. Because it, it is such a, I think it's such a testimony of the grace of God. I guess that's why Paul talks so much about grace, because you can see it here. Paul, you've heard, of, you've heard the phrase, a man without a country, Paul was sort of like that. Ethnically, what was Paul? He was a Jew. And he persecuted, just like the other Jews did who put Jesus on the cross. He persecuted the church and was against Christ, was he not? And then he becomes converted. The Lord drives him to his knees. He has a confrontation with Jesus and accepts the Lord. And he does a 180. Started to say 360. That'd be still going in the same way, wouldn't it? <laughs> he turns around and goes the other way. And now he's not fighting against Christ. He's following Christ. But now as a result of that, who has become his enemy? The Jews have. But Paul's got this long track record. His, his rap sheet. <laughs> he's, he has, persecuted Christians, and done his best to stamp out Christianity. So how are the Christians going to look at him? They're not going to trust him. So he's got the Jews hating him, and he's got the Christians don't trust him and don't want anything to do with him. And for the longest time, he was having to follow Christ almost by himself. It was a great revelation to me years ago when I found out it was 14 years after after Paul came to Christ. That's a long time. you believe that? It was 14 years after Paul came to Christ before the Bible says that he went to the apostles who were in Jerusalem and they gave him the right hand of fellowship. After 14 years, they finally accepted him. And he'd been preaching on missionary journeys and winning souls to the Lord the whole time. Oh how wimpy we can be sometimes in our testimony when we look at somebody like him who would stand when nobody agreed with him it looked like and everywhere he went there was nothing but opposition right the Jews hated him the church didn't like him either they didn't trust him after a while they began to understand he was real and he was genuine and then they they welcomed him in but boy there he he had a He had a hard road to hoe for a good long while. And so as we read in this passage, he's talking about these people who are contrary, who forbid us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. And then notice he says, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Wrath is another subject, a theme here in this book of the Bible. Um. In chapter 2 verse 19. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of Jesus Christ at his coming? There's that theme again. For you are our glory and joy. In other words, the only thing Paul really wants. He wants to see them be faithful. And know that they've made it. And that's his joy. He gets more joy from that than really any other thing, knowing that those people are going to be faithful and stay true to the Lord until Jesus comes back. Um, I'm going to begin reading now in chapter 3, verse 3. He says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Now, sometimes our afflictions may come from the enemy, right? But Paul wants us to know we should not let our afflictions calls us to throw up our hands and quit. He says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. D- did y'all see that? <laughs> we act like something's wrong sometimes when we experience opposition and hard times as Christians. It's, it's a part of life. There is no promise in the Bible Anywhere that tells us that we will never have trouble if we give our lives to Jesus, it will be a bed of roses. Oh, life will be wonderful if you come to Christ. You'll you'll never be sick again. Your car will never run out of gas. You'll just have you know, there's no problems. That there are some people who are teaching that. Listen. Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust, right? And the sun shines on the just and the unjust. And life happens to all of us. True? And so we have to learn to respond as Christians in the right way. We let our light shine. We are salt. We are light. We are followers of the Lord. And that shines through us. Um, There again, you, you can really shine your brightest a lot of times when the heat is put on. It shows really what you're made of. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. For in fact we told you before when we were with you. That we would suffer tribulation. Just as it happened. And you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. In other words, I heard you were going through tribulations and difficulties and trials and hard times, and I had to know. I had to know how you were doing. So he sends Timothy to them to see how they were. And you continue to read there. You'll read about that. But now Timothy has come to you, and so forth. In um chapter three, verse thirteen, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. I'm not going to say much about that because we'll cover that. We'll cover that on Sunday, Lord willing. Can I tell you something strange that happened? There's been a lot of times that I've I've thought about um you know, really getting down to the nitty gritty and preaching about the second coming and, and the, the rapture and the dead in Christ and all that. And a lot of times I've thought about doing it. And I thought, no, I don't believe I'll do that because there was just, we just had somebody die in the church and, you know, I, I know their feelings are kind of raw with the family and I, I believe I'll save that to another time. And so last couple of weeks I've been looking at that passage of scripture. And thinking, okay, we hadn't had anybody die recently. I'm gonna jump all over that Scripture Sunday, and then what happens today? But that's all right. What? As a matter of fact, um, I'll probably talk about that some in the service on Saturday, because I'm gonna tell you for a Christian, it's wonderful. Can I tell you all just a little bit about today? Today was. uh, Ronnie Rose called me. He said, "He said, Ron, can you come? Can you come over?" I said, "Sure." He said, "If you can, where are you?" I said, "Well, I'm at home." He said, "Well, if you can't come over," and I was working in the bathroom. we were remodeling our bathroom, tearing it out, and I was just filthy and had jeans on and a sweatshirt and and a hat on because I hadn't done anything to my hair. I was looked rough, you know. And and I said, um. I, I got work clothes on, Ronnie, you want me to change before I come? He said, no, just come. So I went just like I was. And when I walked in the house, as that happened, um, Nelda's mother had passed within the just previous three or four minutes right before I got there. Between the time Ronnie called me, she was alive when he called. And we went in there and gathered around the bed together. And um, if you don't know her children, all of them are Christians. That's awesome. (laughs) And we gathered around the bed together and, and joined hands. And I noticed the two on either side of the bed kind of grabbed her hands, made the circle complete with her there. And we started praying. I'm going to tell you what. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly pray for thinking about what was going on right there. There was nothing there was nothing but thanksgiving happening around that bed. Because everybody knew. Everybody there were believers. I'm going to tell you what. When you're a Christian, it makes a difference. And and everybody was just thanking the Lord for his mercy and his goodness and his grace. And, and there was nobody crying. Everybody was just thankful for what god had done and for his mercy and his grace and it was just a i couldn't i was just i'm just astonished it's like that way almost when my granddad went to be with the lord and dad and i were there in joy christians do not sorrow as others who have no hope that's what the bible says now we may shed some tears i I, i'll be honest with you i shed some tears uh Ronnie when he called me I jumped in the truck and I took off and I called Joy and I was going to tell Joy what was going on and I couldn't even get it out because tears came to my eyes and I had to stop and compose myself before I could even say it so we know that the initial you know it, there's, there's tears but my goodness when you look at this person and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that right now they are with the Lord and everybody standing around that bed knows that and, and there's nothing but thanksgiving and praise there. That's when it's easy being a pastor, I'm going to tell you. Cause it's not always that way. And it's just a wonderful thing. So these, these scriptures about the second coming, for the most part, we're going to, we're going, we're going to kind of slide over tonight, uh, lightly because I plan on dealing with them Sunday and may deal with some of them on Saturday as well. As uh, I share briefly there. In chapter 4 verse 3. This is a good passage here. This is an awesome passage. The Bible says for this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Could somebody tell me based on what you've heard me say in the past. What does sanctify mean? Set apart. Thank you. Annette, you got another A+. plus. She's on fire. I mean, separated, cleansed, but separated. Washed, cleansed, purified. Separated is is the main idea. Set apart, separated. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Uh, We all know, don't we? We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be set apart. We don't act like the world acts. So the Bible says this is the will of God, your sanctification. You're supposed to be set apart. You're different. And it says that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man but God who has also given us His Holy Spirit. Is that not pretty plain? Just listen to that verse 8 again. Therefore he who rejects this. Does not reject man. But God. Who has also given us. His Holy Spirit. Wow. The courts can say whatever they want to say about marriage. But God has. Defined marriage in his book. And in that circumstance, theme, whatever you want to call it, and many others, therefore he who rejects what God has said does not reject man but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Verse 9 is is so important because it deals with a subject that Jesus and John especially talked an awful lot about. But concerning brotherly love... You have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you aspire to lead a quiet life. I like that. To mind your own business. I like that too. And to work with your own hands as we have commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside that you may lack nothing. Let's, let's talk about that verse just a minute. If we are, if you look at, at some of these phrases here, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands, what does that suggest to you? Does it suggest anything to anybody about what might have been going on in that church? Oh my goodness. That was a way to, you guys are all over this tonight. What did you say? I said they were all up in everybody's business. Everybody. I liked uh, everything I heard then I liked. That, you all would describe me. Because idle hands are the devil's. You know what was happening here? There's a lot of discussion here coming up about the coming of the Lord. And there was a lot of people there who were so focused on the coming of the Lord and they thought it was going to be any day they'd quit their jobs. And they weren't working anymore. And they got to doing what Teresa said, what Annette said, what Faye said, what Eddie said. Meddling. Meddling. Done gone to Medlin now. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? To do that. And that's what happens. And the Lord is coming. We believe that. True? You see, the problem here in Thessaloniki was that they had some misunderstandings about the coming of the Lord. There was one group of people who said that the Lord had already come. And then there was another group of people who was expecting him any day. Well, the ones who had all, who thought he'd already come, they would be really messed up. And the ones who thought he was going to come any day just quit their jobs because they wanted to be ready and watching when he came. And then it gets, get, you get to meddling, you get to talking about things. Ain't none of your business and getting it all into other people's stuff, as Teresa says. And so that's why Paul writes to them and says, I want you to, I want you to aspire to lead a quiet life. And to mind your own business. And to work with your own hands. As we have commanded you. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside. That you may lack nothing. Now first of all. If you are. If you have quit your job. What's going to happen when you quit your job. With your your bank account. Exactly. And then you're going to have to have other people to take care of you that's why he says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing don't expect somebody else to support you go back to work you keep your eyes on the Lord and wait for him (laughs) from work work, exactly yeah he's trying to bring balance back to their lives as he deals with, with certain things there let's see just a few minutes left um I'll tell you what, let's go to, let's skip over this section about the coming of the Lord. Uh I do want to bring to your attention chapter 5, verse 9, which says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. We've already heard that before tonight. What's the significance of that again? Can somebody explain it for me? Let me let me take just a minute and flip over to the book of Revelation. I think I know about where that is. Let me read it to you. Well. That's what happens when you don't use the same Bible you've used for years. It's around Revelation chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Somewhere right in that range here, he pours out his wrath. I'll have to find it and show it, show it, share it with you next week, I guess. But we're told repeatedly in Thessalonians that he has not appointed us to wrath. That's mighty good news as far as I'm concerned. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live forever with him um let's go to verse 13 look at these these uh, little short succinct statements that paul makes um before he closes out this boy he's this is like a shotgun <laughs> he's all over the place with this and all good stuff he says be at peace among yourselves verse 13 well, actually, verse 13 starts out, Esteem esteem them very highly in love for the works. So, uh, be at peace among yourselves. That's good advice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Warn those who are unruly. Is that good advice? Mm-hmm. Comfort the faint-hearted. Is that good? Mm-hmm. Uphold the weak. Is that good? Mm-hmm. Be patient with all. Easier said than done, right? See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Let's see here. As I scratch my head and I wonder, what example have we seen of that tonight? And we've talked in this Bible study. Rejoice always. Always. Rejoice always. Okay. That's true. Thank you. You're smarter than I am. I was thinking about from the Bible. Paul and Silas. Absolutely. Paul and Silas, they've been beaten, they're bleeding, they're bruised, they've been battered, they're worn out, they're humiliated. And here they are at midnight. And they're singing and praising God. I guess he's got a right to say rejoice always. Doesn't he? Because we've already seen he's not a whiner. Uh, He just tells people. "It, It doesn't matter where you are and what you're going to. Rejoice always. There's always something to rejoice about. Always something to be glad about. Pray without ceasing. All through our lives. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Let me ask you this. Would that make any sense at all if it was impossible to quench the Spirit? I mean, it's got to be possible to quench the Spirit for Paul to be telling us not to do it, right? Right? Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Verse 23. And then we'll close. And 24. <laughs> Sounds like a pastor on Sunday, don't it? Now may the God of peace himself. Sanctify you Completely. King James Version says, Holy. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Who also will do it. Do you ever get tired of hearing people talk about. How it's impossible to live a life that's really pleasing to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because we all going to mess up every day. And we're not going to be able to do it. It just seems like to me that the Apostle Paul would disagree with that doesn't it. I'm going to read it one more time. He says may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit soul and body. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever that is, he who calls you is faithful and also will do it. All we have to do is put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who enables us to live a life that's pleasing in his sight. We need to quit making excuses sometimes. And just believe what the Bible says. Amen? Anybody have any comments or questions before we close? Annette?
1: So we wouldn't have tribulation and everything.
0: But Christians can be happy even during tribulation. Absolutely. We're happy people, so we can tell people that you'll we'll be happier than you ever before That's right. In the world, you shall have troubles. tribbles. trouble Troubles. <laughs> troubles. <laughs> troubles. Have troubles. Tribulation or troubles. <laughs> I invented a new word, didn't I, <laughs> Tribbles in the world, you should all have tribbles. But be of good cheer; you can be happy even when there's trouble, right? So, were you talking? Were you were talking about minding your own business? My brother in law likes to say, "Don't be so heavenly minded; you're no earthly good." Right. Don't be so focused on the coming that you're, you know, useless. Right, and that's what they were doing. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Let's... Uh, I was just going to say, that, you know, that it struck me, it's ironic that the devils and
1: demons recognize God and so many people you who know, are spiritually dead, they don't see God. But that's you right. know, that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. For like, you know, last week's night, for those pages to
0: jump off the word to me mm-hmm. and minister to me... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Years ago, in a a, another place and another time, I was in Lexington Church actually, and there was a a retired Pentecostal Holiness pastor there who was who was a member of that church in his retirement, and was there when I preached. And he would sit. He would sit about where Teresa is from the pulpit on the. On the right-hand side, usually the second row right on the end. And he'd sit there like this while I was preaching. Every Sunday for nine years, he would hold his Bible like this. And um, what Leslie just said reminded me so much of him because he would he would tell me over and over and over. He said, Pastor, all you got to do is read the Bible, and it'll bless me. And he valued it so much. He'd hold it like this when I was preaching, and he'd read his Bible through three or four times every year. He had time, of course, he was retired, but I mean, he loved the words what I'm getting at, and it meant something to him and and it was very true in our prayer, our closing prayer, let's pray for Sunday this coming Sunday, shall we, Lord? We thank you for your word tonight. Indeed, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we're so grateful. We just pray, Lord, tonight that you would minister to all the needs of the individuals that have been shared tonight. We trust you and we believe you. And then, Lord, we ask that uh, now, that you would begin to prepare our hearts for Sunday. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this past week and the week before. How wonderful. How wonderful your presence has been with us. And we just pray that you would continue. Lord, let let your presence just snowball in our midst. And let your glory be seen and felt. Minister to your people. And do what you desire to do in this church. And in our lives as individuals. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.